If you've listened to this podcast before, you've heard of GSC, the Governor's School for Entrepreneurs. Today, we're talking to its executive director, Tasha Sams, about raising the next generation of Kentucky entrepreneurs and how the program is going to change the landscape throughout the state. You won't want to miss this amazing conversation. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the Middle Tech Podcast. Nate Antetomaso here in Chicago, Illinois, once again joined by my co-host, my friend, Evan Knowles down in Lexington, Kentucky. Evan, how you doing? Good. I feel like we haven't recorded in a while. I know. I was just going to say that. We've recorded literally like eight episodes within a two-week span, I feel like, and now we're yeah. back at it after a while. We loaded it up. It was nice. Yeah, we kind of had- more than Hopper. Yeah. We had like a summer recording break, which was pretty nice. <laughs> I feel like summer's over now, though, at least up here. Uh, it's not officially over for another week, I think. Week and a half. The 22nd? Yeah. Yeah. They close all the beaches up here in Chicago after Labor Day, so, like, it's still warm enough to go, but if you're on, like, in the water, you can get a ticket, which kind of sucks. But we're not here to talk about Chicago or the lake. We are here to talk about entrepreneurship in Kentucky, as we always do, and who better to talk about that then our guest today tasha sams the executive director for the governor's school for entrepreneurs in kentucky tasha how you doing i'm doing really well you know i'm really excited to be on the middle tech podcast to talk about gse and to really shine a light on uh not to be dramatic but the really <laughs> awesome i would call entrepreneurial revolution that is happening in the bluegrass state because it's, yeah, it's hey. pretty unique it's pretty valid it is be dramatic that that gets yeah. listeners, okay. and that's what we are. So <laughs> I will do my best. I promise. <laughs> cool. So before we get into what's going on right now, let's let's talk a little bit about you and in your background mm-hmm. and how you got to where you you are now. So you're from Kentucky originally, correct? I am. I'm originally from London, Kentucky, uh, which is the home of the World Chicken Festival. That is uh, about all. Um, <laughs> I can showcase from uh, little Laurel County, uh, a really unique part of the state. Um, so that's where I grew up, and now I live in Louisville, Kentucky. Huh. So like fried chicken? Yeah, like fried chicken. Um, let's see. The big thing about the festival is they showcase, they shine a light on the, the world's largest skillet. And I tell you, it's exactly <laughs> how you would imagine it to be, just a giant cast iron skillet. Um, Somehow it brings people, you know, out of, you know, the woods uh, to come to downtown London um, to see this giant skillet. It's a spectacle. Huh. That's crazy. That's Mm -hmm. it's like one of those stereotypical things when people talk about Kentucky that know nothing about Kentucky. (laughs) That's something they would probably mention. The the chicken festival and the skillet. Yeah, I hate to jump right into a stereotype, but you know what? That's what it is. So <laughs> that's where we are. Casey oh, is definitely <laughs> Well, you know, it's ironic because, in, well, not ironic. It actually really makes a lot of sense now that I reflect on it. But the first KFC was opened in Corbin, Kentucky, which is part of Laurel County. So um, I guess it's just really a, a, a chicken um, excited area. I don't, I don't know really what else to say about it. I guess it, that yeah. gives them an excuse to not just be a stereotype in a KFC. 
that's true. That's true. They actually uh, connected it to something. There. Yeah. So after you were growing up uh, mm-hmm. with this chicken festival and this big skillet, <laughs> how did you end up in uh, How did you end up in Louisville from there? Yeah. So um, I graduated um, from North Laurel uh, High School. From there, I went to Eastern Kentucky University twice. That's where I got both of my degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, neither of which I'm using. So um, <laughs> at least not in the traditional sense. You know, the yeah. skills and experiences that I, I gained from those, absolutely. But you know, otherwise, no. Um, and I couldn't say enough great things about Eastern Kentucky uh, University. I'm a, a first generation college graduate, and and they have. Um, an amazing approach to to helping young people who are coming from uh, rural eastern Kentucky to really acclimate to you know what it takes to um, build yourself um, kind of from from the ground up. So I went to EKU. Um, from EKU, I uh, landed myself at an amazing uh, high school in Georgetown, Kentucky, called Elkhorn Crossing School. Um, I graduated. Uh, college actually in 2010 when the school was opening and it blew my mind that they they wanted to hire me fresh out of college you know I didn't know exactly what I had to offer such an innovative um, you know facility with such an innovative methodology you know the school itself uh, was the the brainchild of our original principal Dr. Francis O'Hara and he spent 10 years uh, it was his dissertation traveling the world it was an international explorative um, journey finding the best practices in education. And they are, um, ironically enough, in Georgetown, Kentucky, um, which makes a lot of sense when you think about Toyota and you know the way Toyota has really transformed that whole county and, and the mindset there. You know, ECS links really closely to lean startup methodology and design thinking and you know the principles that really permeate um, from that um, company. So uh, it was an amazing journey. Um, from there, <laughs> I did resign from teaching uh, in, in 2016. Um, that resignation was probably the hardest decision I ever made, but, you know, the most important. Um, and so from, you know, I'm not going to dig too deep into the weeds on that one, but I would say if anyone ever finds themselves in a position where they realize the work they're doing is not, you know, contributing to the growth of themselves as an individual, I hope they have the courage to um, look in another direction. That's exactly what I did. So um, in 2016, I resigned and uh, yeah, I continued along my way. That's a tough choice to make to to have a career change like that. It's very hard. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I I had that feeling with with Fuji there towards the end. Uh, So I definitely know Mm -hmm. how that feels and it's really hard to leave, you know, a team that you love and the Mm-hmm. you know the, the people that you spent so much time with but at the end of the day if like you said you're not growing and you find yourself feeling stagnant you you have to do something about it especially when you're as young as as young as we are so it's not mm-hmm. easy but you have to do it absolutely absolutely so you left teaching uh, mm-hmm. and then what what did you want to do next what what was your thinking as far as how you were going to grow personally and what you wanted to to grow at yeah um, to be completely candid, I had no idea, um, and, and I knew that that's where my journey had to start was, you know, figuring that out because um, I was on a trajectory for, you know, a 28, 29, 30-year career, and then suddenly that entire plan changed, mm-hmm. um, and so when I resigned, um, that was my first goal was to figure that out, you know, what did I want my life to look like, who did I want to become, what steps would it take to get there, um, and at the time, you know, I could never have connected these dots in the moment, but in reflection, 
um, it was one of, it was the beginning of my entrepreneurial journey. Um, truly, you know, we all have entrepreneurial experiences that, that lead us to where we are. And, and that's where mine really started. Uh, and it started with the hardest decision uh, of my life. And so, um, to be honest, I had no idea, um, but I had to figure it out and I had faith in myself and my skill set and who I was um, to get to where I needed to be. And so you ended up at uh, at GSE from there. I you did. started as a, a team lead, right? And then mm-hmm. kind of worked your way up from there. Is that correct? Yes, in a roundabout way. So yeah. I, let me let me uh, kind of frame that uh, mm-hmm. that timeline for you. So in 2016, when I resigned, um, I was a team leader that following summer for GSE. I was kind of looking for kind of a springboard, honestly, just to make a little extra cash because I knew I was moving and um, you know, wanted to kind of supplement my bank account. We all know that teachers don't get paid um, millions of dollars as they should. So I uh, uh, joined the team for GSE that summer and, and I'd honestly yeah. never heard of it. And um, a really good friend of mine brought the position to my attention. She was like, hey, you know, I really think you'd enjoy this. I think it's, it's something that's right up your alley. So I applied and I got it and um, I was a team leader and, you know, I loved the experience. The entire time I was thinking, wow, this is an awesome program, but it could be so much more, you know, like we could really do something uh, with this organization uh, that could pivot the state economically. And that may be dramatic, but it's true. And so I saw (laughs) the potential of the program and what it could become. And then uh, at the end of the summer, the, the program ended, the position ended, and I went on my way and, and I didn't think too much about GSE after that point. Um, I moved to Louisville. I <laughs> went on, I guess what you would call a sabbatical, a lot of soul searching. Um, I drove for Lyft for a while. <laughs> Lyft has a really interesting business model. I learned so much about it. It was really, a, uh, I became addicted to kind of the, the gamification aspect of Lyft. Um, it was brilliant. Um, and then in, let's see, it would have been the spring of 2017, I got a call from my former colleague um, and he was like, hey, I have been promoted to this position and I told the board that I wouldn't accept it unless you joined me. I'm like, well, I will join you, but we've got to change everything. I was like, we've got to keep the solid foundation of what GSE is, but we really have to remodel, rebuild, restructure, and breathe a new life into this program. And I was like, that's the only way I'll, I'll agree to come on board. And, and he was totally up for it. And I think he, he had the same vision that I did. And so in 2017, we started, um, I guess, the new era of GSE is what, what I would call it. So that's kind of how I landed at GSE from the team leader position. I came on board at that point as the program director. Got it. You know, I want to kind of back up before we really start digging into mm-hmm. GSE. And, you know, you mentioned that you were kind of soul searching and trying to figure out what you want to do next and, you know, doing jobs here and there. How did you stay, you know, optimistic and, you know, uh, look forward? Because, you know, I think at my age, you know, I'm 23 and a lot of my friends have graduated college and they, you know, oftentimes find themselves, you know, leaving college and not knowing, you know, what to do next. They find themselves, you know, with a degree, they might not really love what they got a degree in that field and you know, they kind of feel lost. So what was your mindset during that time and how did you stay optimistic and, you know, continue moving in a direction? Because I feel like some people just, you know, get in that kind of situation and they just kind of get stuck. But how did you approach that? Absolutely. So 
I think it really relates back to, you know, growing up in, in Eastern Kentucky, uh, my family was very poor. And so I started at the, what you consider the very bottom. So regardless of what was happening to me, regardless of where, you know, my life was going to go and, and where my journey would lead me, I had just great faith and great confidence in my innate ability to survive because of coming from, you know, a, a, an impoverished background. It's, it's that grit and that's perseverance that, that comes from that journey that really at no point did I worry about um, where I was going to be or where I was going to end up because, you know, rock bottom was the solid foundation that I used to build my entire life. And so it was really an extraordinary um opportunity for me to reflect on that. It's not something that I would glorify or romanticize in any way, but if it weren't for those experiences that I had growing up and really learning um, how to grow and how to grow in an environment where you're not expected to grow, I guess, if that makes sense, um, I don't know that I would have made it and I don't know that I would have stayed optimistic, um, but the optimism came from knowing uh, the strength that that I had as an individual and and the the opportunities that I knew I could create for myself because I'd done it time and time again. I think that's so important. And I think that's, mm -hmm. I mean, I think there's, there's places all over the country that can share similar stories to, mm -hmm. to Eastern Kentucky and like that. And I think that's something that having grown up or having grown up in upstate New York and then moving to Kentucky, I, I didn't realize as much, but especially now, even being in Chicago, mm -hmm. um, a lot of people here are either from the city or, or from um, suburbs and, and surrounding cities. And that sense of community that is felt in Eastern Kentucky and in Western mm -hmm. Kentucky as well. And Southern Kentucky, I think it's a little overlooked, but mm -hmm. those, those types of areas, um, it's something that's unique to the state. And I think part of the reason I felt such a community there um, and just that, that positivity and the love for, for the people and the, the mm -hmm. place is something that seems to have definitely benefit you. And I'm sure you think about every day in your, your current work. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. But so, so let's get into that current work then. So you're, uh, mm -hmm. you're now the executive director of GSE, um, and you've, it seems like you've overhauled the program and, and made it what it is today and are having mm -hmm. a material impact on the state. So before we get into those specifics, can you talk a little bit about what GSE is, assuming the listener knows nothing about it? Um, you know, how does it fit into other programs in the state and, and what's the mission statement? Absolutely. So I'll start with kind of a, a preface and overview, and then I'll dig mm -hmm. deep into, I guess, the logistics of the program. Um, yeah. GSE really takes uh, a unique approach to entrepreneurship because we recognize that there's something deeply satisfying about it. And I would argue that it is innate, you know, in, in a lot of ways it's in our DNA. I think by nature, we're driven to create and build things. We're born innovators and problem solvers. You know, entrepreneur is largely at the heart of all we do. We're creative problem solvers. Um, and and um, from there, you know, we recognize that there was a need to ignite an entrepreneurial spirit because, and this doesn't, this is not a generalization. There are some amazing schools. I worked in an amazing school, um, but schools, and I use that term very broadly, um, were created and still are structured to educate line workers in, in a lot of regards. It's a yeah. very industrialized modern or model, um, you know, to stand in line, to move when the bell rings, to memorize basic info. And it doesn't really foster an entrepreneurial spirit. 
Exactly. And that's yeah. not going to lead us to an innovation economy. I hope that's not a, a huge surprise to anyone. Um, but um, as a result, you know, that innate fire in our bellies, it's quenched. And the innate creator, the innovative spirit, it's wrung out of us. Um, and, and I hated seeing that over and over again as a result of being forced to conform to the expectations of a traditional classroom you know, conform to standardized education, standardized testing and standardized thinking, um, standardized, you know, mindset is not going to, doesn't correlate to innovation. Um, so that's where GSE comes in and that's why it's so exciting. So GSE is a transformative, it's a rigorous entrepreneurial experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, we bring teams together from all around the state. We immerse them in a very creative space. It's very experiential and we arm them with the tools we know they need to unleash that innate entrepreneurial spirit for the economic betterment of not only themselves, but for their communities. Um, so a broad overview of that is during the program, our teams on teams develop a business model, they design a prototype, and the culmination of the program is a demo day where they pitch their startup to a very large audience, um, usually a little over 400 individuals and an awesome panel of entrepreneurial judges um, and it really showcases the transformation of our program from day one to day 21. So it, it's truly a unique journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, I could talk about just that aspect of the program <laughs> for a very long time. It's, it's really cool. Yeah. And these are all high school students, right? Yeah, these are all high school students. We cater to ninth, 10th and 11th graders rising. Um, I will say, you know, we except primarily 10th and 11th graders. And it's not that we don't value ninth graders, but we've seen that, you know, largely we want them to grow a little bit more in their journey um, and Mm -hmm. to mature a little bit more. Um, But we've had a few uh, amazing rock stars of ninth graders along the way. So we want to keep it open because as we know, um, entrepreneurship and being an entrepreneur sometimes does not uh, correlate to a certain age. Largely it doesn't. So uh, we recognize that our teenagers have the ability to be as successful as adults in many regards. Yeah. What you were saying about education, our regular listeners know I was, I can agree <laughs> with everything you said. Uh, yeah. School really pissed me off. Not as much high school <laughs> yeah. as, as college. I, I, yeah. went to, I, I loved high school. I really enjoyed high school. I went to the same in Louisville and I think they did a great job. You know, really growing, growing the students. But like you said, when you build this environment of structure and, um, mm-hmm. you know, listening to rules and really, you know, focusing on uh, statistics like GPAs or mm-hmm. ACTs or SATs, it really kind of, you know, knocks down that, that inner entrepreneur because none of that has anything to do with, you know, what, what makes you unique or uh, mm-hmm. good at, you know, certain skills that ultimately could lead to entrepreneurship. Um, so I, I love what you, you were saying there. Um, mm-hmm. How do you get the word out then if, if when you're trying to recruit these students into this program, if, if the organization as a whole is structured like this, mm-hmm. then how do you convince you know, the students and probably oftentimes their parents um, to let them you know, join this kind of program? What, what, what's the message? Um, we're unique in a lot of regards and, you know, I'll come up with a, a synonym for that because I don't want to use it too heavily, uh, but we really get the message out to the students. They are our customer, right? They're a client. And sometimes we bypass the educational system as a whole to get to them. You know, our social media channels are direct feeds to the teenagers of Kentucky. And we found that they are our biggest advocates um, because they recognize what we're saying. And they're like, yeah, you know what? I make C's in school and it's not because I 
couldn't make A's, it's because I'm bored out of my mind and I don't recognize the importance of what we're learning. So yeah, this is an amazing opportunity. And more often than not, you know, the parents um, recognize the the need that their child has for a, a different kind of stimulation. So kudos to the parents for that. Now that's not to say we don't have amazing educational partners because we do, uh, but we get the word out through social media. We do mailings. Um, we have a very, very active um, collaboration network across the state um, that is really helpful in sharing information about the program. And it's largely entrepreneurs. Um, entrepreneurial entities, uh, you know, are fantastic uh, in the state when it comes to the support they've given to the program itself and the work that we're doing. Um, and so those are just a few of the channels I'd say that we use primarily to get the word out. And of course, I do school visits and, you know, I talk to lots of kids that way. And um, I have to kind of sometimes tailor my message because, you know, you go into a school system or a school that, that really uh, values uh merit defined as standardized test scores and I'm up there saying that's irrelevant it's not <laughs> it's not going to you know determine the success of an individual other than you know <laughs> what you're doing right now I'm sorry to tell you sometimes that message doesn't go over so well um, but I am very honest about it and to your point Evan it, it also pisses me off so um, I, I do a good job of, of standing my ground but also you know respecting the work that they have to do and, and the system they have to work in. Yeah, I yeah, was I, I a was a victim. Mm -hmm. I was a victim of those standardized tests. I, uh, <laughs> you know, I my mind doesn't work like that, so mm -hmm. I I never got above a twenty one, uh, mm -hmm. and I took it you know three times, and I took it a fourth time, and got a twenty four, and uh, you know that really was kind of the first thing that uh, really made me realize a lot of the holes in the education system. Because up to that point, I went to private private you know, Catholic schools and, you know, they're uh -huh. very different, you know, um, and I never really had gotten the experience of a larger system. Uh, once mm -hmm. I got to UK and started taking those ACTs, I've, I fully, you know, understood that, you know, these large education systems just, uh, you know, aren't, aren't cutting it when it comes to people that don't think the same as uh, many other people. So I was definitely mm -hmm. a victim of that. One thing that, that I think, and, this can probably apply to both high school and college. I think while the the classroom setting of sitting in a row and raising your hand and, you know, walking in a line and, and whatnot is very industrial, like you said, Tasha, I wonder mm -hmm. if the, the community aspect of it is something that is extremely valuable, probably more so with secondary education. But mm -hmm. for me, I, I did finish um, – college and even though I have the diploma that said I went to all the classes and I passed what I learned more was through extracurricular activities and, and mm -hmm. through meeting people there um, and I think that's where probably even now in the high school level most of the value comes from and mm -hmm. I think a, a 21 day intensive program like GSC probably just puts that on steroids in addition to having great curriculum as well mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely I absolutely agree to that so let's let's talk about that curriculum and then what the the actual program is. So it's 21 days. It's it's during the summer. It's a camp, right? Like they kids sleep there. Yeah, <laughs> kids sleep there. <laughs> I sleep there. <laughs> it's a it's a really immersive experience. And so um, it it I want to backtrack a little bit because okay. you know I. I I really want individuals who are listening to this to understand that, you know, while 
it's easy to call GSE a camp and it's easy to call GSE a program. What it is, is a true experience. And it's experience mm -hmm. in that uh, it's a personalized approach to education where through community, Nate, to your point, um, we are meeting every teen exactly where they are, um, recognizing them as unique individuals. And then over the course of 21 days, we are personally getting each of them respectively as far as they can go. And that looks different for every person. Um, but that's where we have the most success is, is the growth that comes from that approach and looking at them as a valid individual with different needs, different skill sets, different abilities, different talents, different experiences, placing emphasis on that and then seeing what we can do once we really have a grasp of who that individual is. So they're there for that time and they're, they're building a business the entire time. Do they go through workshops? Do they do pitches? You know, what does the curriculum look like? Absolutely. Um, I would say entrepreneurial thought and principle permeates the entire experience. And, and that mm -hmm. mindset really begins in the environment and the culture that we create. So as you know, largely there are no right or wrong answers in entrepreneurship. You know, there's not a multiple choice test that's going to tell you which direction you should go. Um, and it's largely ambiguous. And the entrepreneur is charged with finding clarity in that ambiguity. And that freaks a lot of people out uh, because there's not an applied structure that can, you know, determine what that clarity looks like. It's, it's on a, um, an individual basis. It's on an experiential basis. It, it depends on each individual situation. So our learning environment reflects those premises. Learning opportunities throughout the program are diverse and varied from structured learning sessions, very short. Um, I would say there's no more than 30 minute learning structured sessions that then at the end of the session, there's immediate application, meaning our teens get up and apply, they get up and work, they get up and explore um, like that. to that autonomous student work that I was talking about, to guest speakers, to mentors, to internship immersion, to site visits and field trips around the state and entrepreneurial events and engagements. You know, we really hone in on the idea and it's important that learning occurs everywhere. And usually the most valuable learning experiences happen outside of the classroom, outside of a room or a building. Um, so just as an example, this past summer in, in 2019, uh, our teens toured 15 startups and businesses around the state. They met and learned from over 40 seasoned entrepreneurs, and they spent over 240 hours developing and crafting their business models. Now, that is really important um, for a lot of reasons. So in the three weeks of the GSE program, knowing how many hours of learning and, and developing and crafting their business models actually occurs is pretty unique when you compare it to um, the 189 day traditional school year, right? And so in 189 days, you know, you want to allot maybe an hour per class period. Um, you could say that's 189 hours. Well, that's not true because when you start thinking about snow days and pep rallies and, you know, days where people just aren't feeling like learning, that could easily be dwindled down to 130, 140 hours of, of what you would consider learning. And I would argue that my program offers a very unique residential approach um, that gives a lot more time um, to learning a, a content area, if you want to think about that, than the traditional 189-day calendar uh, that students experience on a yearly basis. Now, even bigger than that is most teachers don't know where their students go or what happens to them once they leave their classroom. Mm -hmm. I know that every team that is at my program 
is getting three meals a day. I know that, you know, at the end of what we would consider the work day, they're going <laughs> to their dorms with resident advisors who are tending to their emotional and mental well-being, who are still strategically planning and implementing uh, activities that relate to what we've learned that day. Um, and so I have such control over this, you know, entrepreneurial utopia in ways that unfortunately traditional classrooms do not. And so it's immersive, it's residential, it's awesome. Now to get to your point about the curriculum, I'll answer that briefly, but but honestly, the curriculum is is one of the, the it's important, no doubt, but it's not the secret sauce to GSE. GSE has a lot of secret things in our recipe and you, know, you can't just dwindle it down to one thing. Um, but the structured learning environment combines STEAM skills with exploratory experiential enterprise development. So, you know, our curriculum is anchored to the business model canvas design thinking and lean startup methodology. And that's essentially the, the, the anchor points in what I would consider the curriculum. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true that, you know, you can't really teach um, very structuredly in a structured way, you know, entrepreneurship, mm -hmm. you can teach a framework. I, I talk with, you know, Randall Stevens and several other friends that, um, you know, are in the education space. And, uh, you know, Randall Stevens teaches entrepreneurship. And one of the uh -huh. things you often talk about is, you know, you can give a framework, but at the end of the day, the real learning takes place when it, like in the day to day, in the mm -hmm. uh, moments you need to solve a problem. You know, when a problem pops up, most of the time you're not going to understand how to solve it right off the get go. Um, and so you have to go then educate yourself. Really, yeah. it's about creating a framework. But, you know, more importantly, you have to get it in these in these young entrepreneurs' heads that entrepreneurship's all about, you know, being self-educated and learning as quickly as you can. And, and if you can't learn something by yourself, then you need to reach out to mentors and the community to help you fill your gaps. Mm -hmm. um, you can't learn in a structured way. It's just impossible mm -hmm. to learn entrepreneurship in a structured way. So I'm glad, you know, you're approaching it that way. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, shout out to Randall Stevens. He's actually on our board. Um, and so he's a, a huge, uh, you know, factor in the work that we're doing. And, and the insight that we have and, and the way that we implement the program. So I have a lot of respect for Randall and um, he's just a, a phenomenal guy and an amazing entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I really look up to him. That's one of the big reasons I really wanted to, you know, help him build, build a veil was to, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I love the idea of a veil, but you know, I really love the idea of, you know, learning from, from Randall as well. Um, so at the uh, beginning of this, this journey, uh, what what's the goal? What what are you telling these students that you want them to come out of GSE with? And and um, you know what's what's the goal there? The goal, if I were reading from you know our our mission statement or our uh, um, strategic vision, would be to foster and empower the brightest and and best future business owners, catapulting you know positive economic advancement in communities across Kentucky's, but. Really, bigger than that, the goal is understanding and implementing and honing an entrepreneurial mindset, because that's something that they'll take with them for life. Um, and, you know, as an education professional, I know that the way you change someone's life is you change their mindset, um, because then they start to view the world differently. They start to per perceive situations differently. They start to think about opportunities differently. And that's exactly what we do at the heart of GSE is we ignite yeah. and unleash that, that, that entrepreneurial mindset that we know so many Kentucky teens are craving, um, but they may not know exactly how to foster and cultivate that. 
Yeah, I wanted to ask that to set up, you know, the next question is, you know, when the when the journey's over and the program's over, what are you looking at when they're walking out the doors? What's what's defined as, you know, yes, they reached the goal. How do you look at that when they're, you know, leaving and the program's over? Um, what are you guys evaluating at the end? Yeah, so that's uh, a great question. Um, what we evaluate at the end is is the fact that while GSC is a deeply transformative experience, um, and and while you know there's so much growth and and so much benefit to the work that we're doing, their true entrepreneurial journey um, begins at the end of the program. And so what we do then is we continue to work with our teams who are truly motivated to pursue entrepreneurship in one way or another. We continue to to foster and empower them. We we you know connect them with internship internship opportunities. We connect them with mentors. Um, we help them launch LLCs or businesses if that's what they want to do. Um, so we have created a support system for them that they have access to at the culmination of the program. Um, and you know to to your point, um, in terms of our impact. What I've noticed is, you know, unfortunately, I think some nonprofits have uh, maybe trouble quantifying their impact. Well, we don't. <laughs> and that's something that we put a huge amount of emphasis on because while we're a nonprofit, um, we're a business. And uh, it's important to look at the work that we're doing and to track um, that success. So to date, we've helped inspire the launch of eight LLCs. You know, multiple patents have been filed and hundreds of talented Kentucky teens are engaged and active in the entrepreneurial ecosystem. Um, and, and it's really exciting to think about the, the implications of that because we're just now graduating our, uh, or, or excuse me, our alumni are just now, our oldest alumni are just now graduating college. So um, the implications of, of what could come from the experiences they had at GSE and beyond are, are really exciting. So over the next few years, it, it'll explode basically. Yeah, that's the goal. And, you know, we're seeing yeah. that happen more and more. You know, I, I have tons of stories that are suddenly starting to surface of businesses that are being opened and, and you know, journeys they're going on and, and things they're they're working on. And it's it's really cool to see them, you know, kind of carrying the, the entrepreneurial banner um, in a lot yeah. of regards. So, yeah. Are there any specific uh, successes, any specific teams, specific projects that you want to share that are doing really well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, <laughs> I could share a lot. We had a team make an exit early on in the journey of GSE. They were called Trifonia. They earned re residuals for a long while. Um, they essentially were an electronic buyback service. Um, mm -hmm. They exited, you know, as high school students, they were making cash each month. And it's just really cool uh, to think about that. Currently, uh, we have a team called Dose Defense. They filed yep. for their patent. It was approved. They uh, have their LLC. And now they're working on getting their product into beta testing. Um, yep. I could talk to you about J&G Marketing, Atlash Outdoor, TD Landscaping. Um, but, you know, of course, these are examples of the companies that are coming from the program. But we also have to think about the companies that we have strengthened and helped bring a solid foundation to in terms of the teams who apply to GSE already running a business um, like Annalie White Designs or Chuck's Cuts. And so it's been unique in seeing how they've taken what they've learned from GSE and immediately turned it back around and implemented and are now going back and growing their businesses even more. So, um yeah. 
it's really exciting. It's, it's mind blowing really. And it's believable because it's happening. But um, yeah. some people look at me like, wow, these are teenagers and they're doing this. I'm like, yes, they're teenagers and they're doing this. This is amazing. Um, it really is. Yeah. You, you can hear the passion in your voice. When yeah. You're about it. <laughs> That's really yeah. cool. <laughs> so on the, on the flip side of that though, so there's been some great successes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure running a program like this in Kentucky and anywhere for that matter is difficult. And I'm sure you run up against some roadblocks doing that. Are there any mm-hmm. specific challenges that you've noticed that, that you work through and, you know, anything that has been tough as you've developed this program? Um, I think one of the hurdles that we have worked to overcome and are still working to overcome, and I think this will probably you know, resonate with, with other entrepreneurs and, and entrepreneurial entities throughout the state is overcoming perceived notions about entrepreneurship. Um, mm-hmm. I think it, it's still kind of a new concept largely to the state in terms of what, you know, modern entrepreneurship, startup entrepreneurship looks like. It's not just starting a business. It's understanding, you know, truly understanding an innovation economy and the hundreds of roles that an individual could play in that economy. Maybe you don't want to start a business. That's fine. Maybe you want to grow up and run a statewide nonprofit. That's really cool. That's what I do. It's mm-hmm. entrepreneurial. You know, maybe you want to work for a startup or maybe you want to work out of community workspace or attend entrepreneurial events or pitch competitions or maybe just become an entrepreneurial supporter or advocate. There are just so many roles that are entrepreneurial and need to be filled. Um, and it's really about disrupting the thought that entrepreneurship is is only starting a business. And I think that's that's something that the state is is working to, to kind of um, change and we've had great success, but I think that's been one of our challenges. And then going back to a previous point, uh, another challenge for us and we've overcome it um, just by our, our unique definition of merit is, you know, we don't consider standardized test scores or GPA for admission into the program. So that makes us uh, different in a way. Um, so our merit or our definition of merit has been an obstacle but because of the impact we're having and um, the successes that we've had, it's it's been pretty um, cool to see that people are like, wow, you know what, maybe there are other things that we should consider and look at when it comes to uh, how we define success and how we define the success of an individual. So I would say those are the two biggest challenges that we've um, worked to overcome thus far in the program. Yeah, to to speak to that first one a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why we started this podcast is because yeah. the the recognition of entrepreneurship and entrepreneurial thinking in Kentucky, even with great activities going on in the state, was just not being talked about. And mm-hmm. anything that brings awareness of that, I think, is a positive for the state. Yeah, always towards the end of of these, these <laughs> recordings, we always try to move closer and closer to, uh, you know, a few future forward looking statement. Um, what do you see as, you know, some of the next big steps GSE needs to take? What are what are some of the next things you're really starting to work on and plan for? Yeah, so GSE from here, I think we go onward and upward and we have a very solid foundation. There's a lot of work to be done. Um, considering bandwidth and growth potential, we aren't there just yet, but the exciting news is that we're well on our way. Um, I have this lofty goal of making entrepreneurship as cool as bourbon and basketball in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's a hefty goal, I recognize, and it's a long play, but we have a really strong start. Um, the good news is, you know, our teens are very interested in entrepreneurship, especially Gen Z. They, they're showing an insane amount of interest in entrepreneurship, and that's great for us to recognize. Um, 
just to give you kind of a very brief overview and I'll, I'll wrap this back into to your question. So um, there are probably around, you know, this based on data research, that sort of thing, 300,000 12 to 18 year olds in Kentucky. And we know that those ages are critical inflection points in the development of any individual. So I asked myself constantly, how do we impact that demographic so deeply that they work to pivot the state economically through entrepreneurship? Um, and, and we need a comprehensive, comprehensive approach that considers our bandwidth, our partnerships, and what we already have on the table. And the cool thing is we have all the puzzle pieces we need. It's just putting them together um, and, and pulling in our partners and doing it collaboratively. Um, it needs to be expansive, but deeply impactful and result-oriented. You know, GSE is, is our flagship program, um, but our impact is limited to 72 teams a year, and that's purposeful. You know, I don't want to grow the program to where we have hundreds or thousands of, of teenagers coming um, because the work we do with them after the program um, is important. And, you know, entrepreneurship, we know, isn't for everyone. So if I can select 72 teens every year who are deeply impassioned about entrepreneurship, then we're going to keep doing what we're doing with GSE and we'll have great success there. Now, we've also taken on another initiative called KY Pitch. It was formerly Idea State U, um, and we are really going to disrupt um, that collegiate pitch competition this year. I don't want to share too much information about that, mm -hmm. but those guidelines will be released in the coming weeks, and it will be a true disruption and i'm very excited about it because that dis disruption comes from a year of gathering data and feedback from past participants from present participants and really looking at um what the the student the client the customer says about their experience there so i'm really excited to share that um, we've started small and we know the implementation of our programming works but how do we grow and where do we invest and that's really where we're looking looking toward the future so got some really cool things uh coming up i don't want to share too much but i, I would say pay attention uh because we're, we're gonna try some really cool things in the year to come yeah well we'll have to pay attention we'll definitely have to have you on to continue to talk about those um, those initiatives as you release information before we wrap up i just want to make sure people can find you where can they find gse on social and, and online Absolutely. So our website is uh, KentuckyGSE.com. Um, we are on Instagram at KentuckyGSE. We are on Twitter at KentuckyGSE. And we really lucked out on Facebook. We actually have uh, the Governor's School for Entrepreneurs <laughs> on <laughs> Facebook, which I thought was, was really awesome. Um, so those are our main channels. But, you know, also you can always reach me directly at uh, Tasha, T-A-S-H-A, at KeenStart. K-E-E-N start.org. That was a good plug. You've, you've done all that before. Yeah, a few times. So, <laughs> <laughs> so one, one final question to zoom yeah. out a little bit and look at the Kentucky ecosystem as a mm -hmm. whole. Now that's probably Lexington, Louisville, and, and so many areas surrounding those cities. Mm -hmm. um, with entrepreneurship and with the development that comes with that, mm -hmm. you know, looking forward in the next five to ten years, what are your thoughts? Are you optimistic? How do you see it changing and, and growing from what it is today? Oh, I'm super optimistic. You know, through KY Innovation and, and truly the RISE initiative out of the Office of Entrepreneurship, um, Kentucky over the last year especially has uh, collaborated and communicated region to region um, in unprecedented ways. Um, we're implementing a give first mentality and, you know, our partners and supporters 
um, from ed every region have, have kind of stepped up to the plate and, you know, and not to be, um, you know, I guess, uh, uh, childish, but we're all playing in the sandbox together. You know, we're all putting what we have to offer on the table. We're looking at how we can help and how we can support each other. Um, and, and it's unique in that the RISE initiative asked regions to identify their needs which is very important because every region in Kentucky needs something different. And we are a very diverse state. And I think rural Kentucky especially is much more diverse than people give it credit for. And so it's looking yeah. at, you know, the cultural relevancy of what we're doing, but also recognizing that there is a really awesome entrepreneurial revolution that's happening right here in the Bluegrass State. And it's exciting to be a part of it. And it's exciting to work hand in hand um, from region to region to really see that, uh, that movement grow and that movement be successful.